Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. Let me tell you about Rachel. She's 21, just graduated college, summa cum laude. She's funny, a bit too studious, according to her boyfriend. And she tells everyone she knows that they need to be trained in CPR. Oh, and she'll take a trip to France one day. And she'll tell stories about it for the rest of her life. This party, it's meant to celebrate her first real job. It's a entry-level position, but it does provide a steady income. It also provides a retirement plan and even comes with dental. Seems that she's well on her way. What nobody here today could possibly know is that she will become department manager in just six months. She'll start running marathons. She will get married and become a mom. She'll walk her friend Teresa through a chronic illness. And after all that, become CEO of the company. You see, her family and friends are celebrating what is with no idea of what is to come. It's very similar for Israel on that first Palm Sunday. You see, they all line the streets, crowds fighting for the best view of the king who would be even greater than King David himself. They prayed so long. For generations they prayed. And here he was. And so, that's why they grabbed their palm branches, right? And they celebrated him because in their minds he was going to free them from Rome. And so they all shouted the same thing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You see, they celebrated what they knew about Jesus, that he was a good teacher, that he was a miracle healer, that he was a divine prophet. But what they couldn't begin to imagine is he rode into town that day, he would be the fulfillment of prophecy would bring healing for sin. He would show the world what love truly is. They had no idea that the one riding through town was the king of kings all over the world. The past kings, the present kings, the kings to come, king of all kings. Paul said it so well in Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21, when he said, to him who is able to do more than we could ever hope for or imagine, to him be the glory through all generations forever and ever. <laughs> and so, just like them, we cannot imagine what is to come. But as we join in the chorus of their voices, celebrating what Jesus has done, may we also celebrate the God, the Savior, the King of all kings, 
who can do more than we could ever imagine. They're not my birthday. How many of us can relate that as we get a whole year older? It's not really worth celebrating in many ways. Because with it comes a whole deal of responsibilities and complications and health and stuff like that. But the, cele- the birthdays we do celebrate, certainly in my era, are our daughters. And when we sit there and we celebrate with them, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years now, soon to be four for Phoebe and nine for Mackenzie, we celebrate what we know to be true about them, absolutely. We celebrate their smiles and we celebrate their the joys. We celebrate the memories we've created. <sighs> but we celebrate something else. I think, as a father, I celebrate their 21st birthday. I celebrate... I celebrate being able to dance with them. At their wedding. I celebrate the sort of maybe mums they might be one day, if that's what God has planned for them. But the reality is I don't really know any of those things. I don't know what God's got in store for their life and what that's going to look like, but it doesn't stop me or us celebrating all that God might do in and through their lives when we gather to celebrate on those birthdays. And as the video he talked about, when we do gather for celebrations, we, we celebrate a great many things that we know to be true, but we celebrate a whole bunch of things which we will never have any idea whether they will play out the way we'd hoped or whether they wouldn't. But it doesn't stop us from celebrating them. But in a sense, when we celebrate, we celebrate something which we don't yet know will, will be true. And like the Israelites, Israelites that morning, as Jesus rode into town, they were celebrating something they, they had seen up till that moment. In John's gospel, we read it. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. And we, Mel beautifully shared with us, that's, that actually means save us. Why? Well, they've been under Roman occupation and they hadn't had a king since before the Babylonian exile, some 600-ish years beforehand, no king. And they were set up, actually, God never had planned for them to have a king. Then they asked for one. And then those kings let them let the Israelites down. And yet, here we are, after a series of failed kings, still Israel is hoping for the king to come and return and save them. And so they lined the streets for this Jesus of Nazareth, the one that they have seen do some extraordinary things. 
And they quote scripture over him, Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. The one we have been hoping for, indeed, the very one that God said, by the way, the kings aren't the ones you should be looking to, to save you. Yet here is one king that they are hoping once again would save them. Saved them from oppression, saved them from all that they had suffered up to this moment in time. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, verse 14, to fulfill that, that which was written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt, the foal of a donkey. And in a sense, this triumphant entrance was not really as it was fulfilling prophecy, but it wasn't really the way that a king enters a city. For kings didn't ride donkeys, they rode stallions. For a stallion was a symbol of status. A stallion was a symbol of being that. And so kings rode stallions into towns for triumphant parades. And yet here we see Jesus, the king that Israel didn't know that they needed, riding in on a donkey, which was a symbol of work, labor, a symbol of, and, and, and the foal of a donkey, even, even less, a symbol of humility, of the servant class in some ways. And little did they know what that would mean in the grand scheme of things, that as they celebrated this Jesus coming in on a donkey, they were celebrating a far grander entrance than they ever thought possible. They celebrated what they knew to be true, but they were also celebrated in hope for something else. In verse 16, it says, At first his disciples did not understand all of this. It was only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. See, the disciples, as they journeyed with Jesus, see, all, all of John's gospel, or indeed all of the gospels, are written after the fact. Years later, to tr- once the, as, the, as the, uh, those who held the stories in their hearts, who, the eyewitnesses, as they started to, to die, they wanted to, to hold on to all that they had seen and heard. And so the Scriptures were written for that purpose, to carry on that which was known to be true. And so it wasn't until afterwards they realized all that had happened here and all that it meant. But verse 17, it says, Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb. So this was just happened, by the way. Jesus just raised his friend from the dead after he'd been dead and buried in the tomb. His friend Lazarus out in Bethany. This is the last thing that Jesus did before he rode into Jerusalem was raise a guy from the dead. And the crowd that is celebrating him is the crowd that saw that happen. Now, I don't know about you, but the expectations are going to be sky high of what Jesus is going to be able to achieve for Israel from the throne in Jerusalem. That's what I, if, if, that, if that's what he does out in the, in, in, you know, out in the suburbs, imagine what he can do in the city. If that's what he's done out in the outskirts of things, imagine what he could do in the seat of power. And so it was with that expectation 
the word about him continued to spread. And many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, they went out to meet him. That's why they were here. Because word had got around that he'd raised a guy from the dead. And so the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting, this is getting us nowhere, all of this. All of this worship, like glorifying Jesus. Look how the whole world has gone after him. They're looking to him to save us. And the Pharisees, they had a worldview which said, now, the temp, now that the original temple had been destroyed and they, they developed a theology around that the household was the temple. And if only each household could be holy enough for even just a single day, they would see the Messiah return. They would see the Messiah come and save Israel. That was what they were thinking. And so they're looking at this Jesus and clashing with him over and over and over again. They're, they're confident he's not the guy that Israel is looking for. And they're saying, this is getting us nowhere. This guy is just causing so many problems. And this is the last thing that Jesus needs to do for the Jews to get, or the, for the Pharisees to get so angry that they plot his death as they ride into Jerusalem. And so they line the streets, Hosanna, Lord, save us. Lord, save us. Lord, save us. And yet in that moment, they celebrated what they didn't know. They were celebrating some things that they knew to be true. But what they didn't realize is that they were declaring a truth that would later come to fruition in far richer and more wonderful ways than they ever imagined. They celebrated their salvation, which is true. But it was a salvation that was different to what they expected. They expected, as I said, salvation from and saving from the Roman occupation. But instead, what they got was salvation from their sins, from the oppression that was far greater than anything that they quite realized was possible. And so when we celebrate, what are we celebrating? Do we celebrate this Jesus based on what we've seen that he's done? Or are we celebrating him based on what we hope that he could do? Because where God took my heart for this message was just a really simple reality. Was what we know to be true about Jesus is that he is the Son of God. What we know to be true about Jesus is that he gave his life on a cross. What we know to be true about Jesus is that he was raised to life again. And we absolutely, we declare Hosanna, Lord, save us, because he's the only one who can. And we declare, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Make no mistake. But do you celebrate anything else this day? Do you celebrate anything else? Do you believe that there is more that God could yet do in your life should Jesus be made Lord and Savior of tomorrow as well as today? 
Because that's where God took my heart when I thought about celebrating that which could come to, to pass in the future. What God convicted me of is He said, I'm the Lord of today, but I'm also the Lord of tomorrow. I'm the Lord of all that has happened, but I'm also the Lord of all that could happen in the future. But that there is something that needs to happen for that to become a reality. Is it that you and I need to see Jesus for who He really is and realize what He really could do in our life, should we make Him the Lord? Because the Israelites were sort of on track, but they kind of missed it. They celebrated Jesus for who He was, and they prophetically spoke the truth. But they didn't even realize what that truth really meant. And I do believe that when you and I stand up here and say, praise forever to the King of Kings, when we sing and proclaim and give praises to God, when we sing here on a Sunday morning, we declare a truth that we know to be true. And we know it to be true based on our past, based on our history, based on our experiences. But I wonder, have you ever thought what it could be like for it to be true for tomorrow as well? That somehow when you and I say praise to the King of Kings, that we are prophetically speaking about the way that His kingdom could be realized tomorrow. But the question's got to become, what does that require of us, you and me? Because we can press on with our expectations and our ideas of how it could work, but that never gets us very far. How far did it get the Israelite nation in that moment in time? They pressed their expectations, and it took Jesus to the grave, because He wasn't all that they expected Him to be, He was so much more. And I do wonder if sometimes for our expectations, the expectations that we put upon what Jesus will do for tomorrow, or the way that we see our, actually, no, let me rephrase it, with the expectations that we place on how we see tomorrow playing out, lead us down a road to destruction. For when I sit and celebrate my daughter's birthdays, I've got a great many pictures of how I would hope that their, their life plays out. But how many of us have been on the receiving end of a parent's unreasonable expectations? How many of us carry wounds of what our parents thought we could or should be? How many people inherited this or that with the expectations that you would carry on that legacy? Friends, I think we can do a great deal of damage carrying the wrong expectations into tomorrow. But Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and its righteousness. And all that you need will be added to it. Seek first the kingdom and all that is needed will be added to it afterwards. And so I, I wonder if the, the challenge that sits here for us on this Palm Sunday is a little different to perhaps what, you, what we've heard in the, the traditions and the rhythms of celebrating this Easter. We know it so well that we're almost numb to it, aren't we? 
But I do wonder if the challenge for today is the calling to ask Jesus what tomorrow looks like and see what it is that He wants to do. For we are called as the church, we are called as disciples of Jesus to lay down our life, to lay down our expectations, to lay down our hopes, our dreams, our thoughts, and our plans of how things are going to work out and pick up that which He calls us to pick up. And some of those things are the same. For some of us, we're really great at accounting before we follow Jesus. And after we follow Jesus, we ask God, well, what do you want us to do? And he says, you know what? You're a great accountant. You, can, you should keep doing that. Now, I'm not one of those people. Accounting would be one of the lowest spiritual gifts in my repertoire, I suppose. But I was good at communicating and talking before I decided to follow Jesus in my own heart. And it's funny that I find myself up here talking to you. What is it that Jesus is calling you to do? How is Jesus calling you into tomorrow? What is it that you over and over and over and over and over again have been praying for Jesus to do in tomorrow, but you never asked him if it's what he wanted to do? Now, it might be the same, but it might not be. And the wonderful truth of it is that whilst we think we know the best possible scenario, like the Jews did that morning when they celebrated Jesus entering Jerusalem, they celebrated what they thought was the best possible scenario, a king that would save them from Rome. But instead, Jesus would inevitably offer them something far greater than they ever thought possible. And that because they missed it, they missed out on it. Because they missed what Jesus needed to do, and because they missed God's ultimate plan, they missed out on it. In one of the Gospels, Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. He says a prayer for them. And it's a grieving because he knows that they're going to miss it. God's chosen people set aside and wonderful and anointed in many ways. And they're going to miss all that God wants to do. Friends, you and I, we are God's chosen people in this age. Anointed, set apart. chosen, called. You can add whatever name you like to that, whatever adjective or adverb you want to bring to that space. You are God's church. We are God's church. And I believe that when we celebrate all that we want to celebrate this morning, I believe we are called to celebrate the truth of Jesus but to keep Him as the center. Because when we do that, I believe we won't be like the Israelites as Jesus grieves over them and says, you've missed it. 
you miss out because you've missed it. Instead, I believe when we celebrate and place God at the center of our journey, we'd start to discover that what He's got planned is far more important and far more wonderful and far more life-giving than what we had planned. Now, does that mean that we don't plan anything? No. We ought to plan. We should plan. I believe I'm a, I'm a strategic guy, and I believe the Holy Spirit is in planning. Like, we, we shouldn't just, I shouldn't just rock up here on a Sunday, open my Bible and go, all right, we're going to preach from, hang on, uh, yeah, I know, talk, I know something about that. Let's preach on John chapter 17. I, I don't believe that. I believe this, the Holy Spirit works in the planning. But the mystery of it all is that we need to constantly be asking, be in constant connection and communication with Jesus that we might listen and hear and understand what it is He wants to do. So that when we cry, Hosanna, Jesus, Lord, save us, we're on, we understand and are aligned and our heart is connected to the places that we do need to be saved from. The things that Jesus really wants to do in our life. That we might find the freedom Jesus really wants to give us. A freedom that's far better than we ever thought possible. And so we celebrate this Palm Sunday. We celebrate Jesus and we celebrate what we know about him. That he is the King of Kings. That he is the Lord of Lords. That he was a prophet beyond compare. That he was a priest that stewarded the presence of God unlike any priest before him. That he spoke the truth of God unlike any prophet before him. And he carried the authority of God unlike any king before him. All of those things were true. But we also celebrate all that he did on the cross. For he wasn't just a good man. He wasn't just an anointed leader just like the Jews were celebrating. He was the son of God. And better yet, he is the son of God. Because we don't celebrate, we're not here celebrating the death of Jesus. We're here celebrating his life and all that it means now and into the future. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest of heavens. So may you I'm going to read a passage from Ephesians chapter 3 as we finish our time together. It was what you part of what you heard in the video. I pray that out of his glorious riches, so out of his spirit, out of his blessing, out of his capacity for us to understand that he may strengthen you through the power of His Spirit in your inner being, in your very soul, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, not judgment, 
Not any of the other things that the church is known for in this day and age, but love. May have the power, together with all the Lord's people, to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to the fullest measure of all the fullness of God. So may you live this life the rest of today and tomorrow, not just hoping on what we know is true of Jesus, but also hoping for what he's calling us to see tomorrow look like. A tomorrow filled with promise, a tomorrow filled with possibility, but ultimately a tomorrow filled with his plan for our life. Let's pray together, church. Loving and gracious God, I I think of all that we hope for in this life. There's a great many things. Some of them come to pass, but some of them don't. And if we're honest, so often we have brought pain and destruction into the lives of those we love because we put expectations on them. They never really wanted to see fulfilled and expectations that you never had planned for them. So Lord, as we celebrate this morning, the coming of your son Jesus, as we declare and celebrate the truth of all he has done, may we also celebrate all that you have planned, least of all your, the when you will come again and see all things reconciled to your glory. Help us by your spirit to know how we are called to live in that plan. Help us to celebrate in the right ways for the right reasons. Knowing that you will not leave those celebrations empty. Give us the courage to put you at our center that we might find the life that you really have in store. In your name we pray. Amen.